Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom My goodness. Hello, women. Emily here. And this is the final episode of season four. Wow. What a year. There is so much going on. And since you know that I take the summers off of this podcast, I'm going to take a few minutes here to fill you in on all that we have going on and coming up at Free Birth Society before we are back with season five in September. Oh, I should also mention we have now passed over 3 million downloads. How cool is that? So a sincere and heartfelt thank you to all of you for your constant support, the amazing reviews, the shares, the way you brilliant women rally behind me and what we're doing here. It just, it means the world to me and all of us here at Free Birth Society. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, we did it. We moved to the gorgeous Blue Ridge Mountains of Western North Carolina, and our family bought over 60 acres of really some of the most special, rich, sacred land I've ever walked. And I want to share it with you. It's been a longstanding dream of mine to host a women's festival just for us. And what could be a better time than this coming summer solstice? We are almost sold out of tickets, but we do still have some left. I want you to picture... A hundred women, mothers, sisters, dancing together under the full moon to our very own Shyla Ray, watching incredible women perform, sitting in circle, holding cacao ceremony, singing around the fire, laughing, crying, and hugging for four days straight. If you're like me, it's been a while since I've gathered with a big group of conscious women and my soul is craving it. So it's here. Join me for the first annual Matriarch Rising Festival. Go to matriarchrisingfestival.com and grab one of our last tickets and come make lifetime sister friends. Ugh, I can't wait. And for all of you abroad or who can't swing it this year, don't fret. Not only do I plan on making this an annual thing, but we are rebirthing the oh-so-special Free Birth Society community membership this coming June 1st, so just in a few days. We will have 11, yes, 11 different types of circles every single month. We have maidenhood circles, wild mothering, village prenatals for all the pregnant women to speak your dream birth, postpartum connection circles for mothers in their first year of postpartum, radical birth keeper, debrief circles for active birth keepers serving women outside the system. 
We'll also have full moon and new moon, ritual and share circles, birth healing circles for women who have experienced birth trauma, surgical births, hospital transfers, and loss. We'll also have a monthly radical feminist circle to learn how to talk about the harms of porn, sex work, surrogacy, the trans agenda, and so much more. And since that's not all, we'll also have conscious conception calls, planning for postpartum calls, and I will personally be leading a monthly community call And I have a special matriarchal societies and spirituality study group that I'm brewing up that will also be starting this summer. (sighs) It's going to be so good. We'll also have monthly wild woman workshops where I'm bringing in experts in all sorts of different amazing woman-centered topics. It's eclectic and just freaking awesome. So... I have taken a bit of a break from being super involved in the membership, and I'm really excited to dive back in with this new rebirth, and I want you to know that you are so, so welcome to join us. If you're a woman on the conscious path of self-awareness, radical responsibility, and interested in being with like-hearted, like-minded women in a committed community, please check us out. Oh, I forgot to mention, we're offering for the first time ever, ever, ever access to my personal Radical Birth Keeper directory, which includes a list of our graduates from all over the world and all of our members who claim the Radical Birth Keeper title. So if you're a woman serving other women in birth outside of the system, consider joining us. Get your name on the directory. And if you're a pregnant mama wanting to connect with authentic birth support, well, head over to freebirthsocietymembership.com. Okay, last thing, enrollment is open right now for the fall round of the Radical Birth Keeper School, and I cannot wait to do this again. We have now over 150 graduates from all over the world, over 25 countries, and my goddess, it is incredible to see what magic these women are all spinning post-program. Thriving businesses, lifelong friendships, attending births, busy coaching. I'm just, I'm in awe of what this has become. So as of this recording, we've just passed half capacity and the new round starts September 1st. You can learn all about this at RadicalBirthKeeperSchool.com. And remember, this isn't just about becoming an epic, authentic midwife lighthouse. This is also about having a huge community of badass women at your back. It's also a full-on business school that takes you from the very beginning steps all the way through to launching, not to mention weekly classes on all the self-mastery tools that I have personally used and use daily to transform and be the powerful woman living my dream life without fear that I am today. I love sharing these tools. I love teaching them. And I'm just, I'm so proud of what we're doing. So come be a part of it. Okay. I think that's it for now. Definitely join our newsletter because I have a mentorship program coming up this fall that you will want to know about. And we have two more courses in the pipeline coming out later this year, one on women's goddess archetypes and blood mysteries, and an amazing course called Womancraft, A Witch's Awakening. Okay. See, I told you so much going on. All right, let's get going. Today on the show, we have the wild and wise Elisa, a Hungarian-born woman living in France with her beloved. This is the romantic tale of a new love, a surprise pregnancy, and a young woman hiring a midwife and then firing a midwife when her true stripes are revealed. 
It was the news that her midwife didn't actually support Elisa bringing her dear mother and sister into her birthing space that Elisa knew it was time to cut the ties, take the dive, and create the epic family free birth she knew she deserved. Birthing in the heat of August during a thunderstorm, Elisa tells us of the gorgeous tale of how her family rallied around her as she birthed like the complete woman warrior that she was ready to be. Well, I think my mothering journey would begin how I was mothered because all of our first relationship with mothering is how we relate to our own mother. And and it's such an important period when... Yeah, like the first three years of life, we say that everything is impacted by what happens in the beginning. And so I have I have a birth story that was um, a transferred home birth. And I have this really deep understanding that it has impacted everything I do in my life and how I function and how that core trauma is what has guided me in every life situation, in my relationship, in my family dynamics, in how I relate to myself, my self-confidence and what I think I have to do in the world. And it is only recently that I've understood how there is this huge anger that I have in myself and I didn't know why. And so I started digging and, and it has led me to my own birth. And I was really surprised to, to arrive there because, because in theory, I have this idea that birth is so important that if we change how we birth, then we can change the world. Like that is the, I, I believe in that truly, but it is only now that I'm starting to understand how really, really important it is because when we have people who are coming into this world, having the feeling that and that's my feeling that I wasn't able to do this because I was rescued, because I was pathologized, because I was like pulled out from where I, I was trying to find my own way from. You have a lot of people who, who don't believe in themselves, who have as the first experience in this life, they feel like I failed. And so I think that's, that's where, that's where I'd like to start because it took me 25 years to understand that. And I honestly feel like this is a cycle that has come to an end and it has come to an end thanks to the birth of my son. And that event could really bring me back and understand what, what I have lived through and how that relates to everything in my life. And what I want to keep from that, what I want to honor, what I want to forgive and what I want to, yeah, just <sighs> offer up to the universe and, and, and thank it and just leave it because it doesn't serve me anymore. So yeah, I was, uh, I started coming into this planet at home in peace and and then there was some meconium in the water. So the midwife transferred us and, and my parents were very, I think they were also very traumatized by what happened because they never would have imagined that 
this beautiful idea of the skin to skin and of the 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 hour after the birth would be respected and how how it will all be on their terms and sweet and beautiful and and it was the complete opposite so so I had to really investigate that story and what happened there to when I was preparing for the birth of my son because I I was very conscious of the fact that it would be very very easy to repeat that And so I was trying to understand my own story. I was trying to understand the birth story of my partner and really just everyone who I wanted to be present at my birth. I I was trying to understand what everyone is bringing energetically to the table because I, yeah, I needed to know that. I needed to like be conscious in advance in a way what will, what kind of energies will be there. And you just understood that intuitively to do that? I think it was a conversation I had with, with, uh, with my doula, a great friend who, who talked, she talked about how it was important for me and my partner to really like bring into our conscious, uh, side of how we have come to the, to this world. So you were born in Hungary, correct? Yeah. And then your baby was born in France. Yeah, that's right. I was a student living in Paris when I met this amazing guy and and we weren't going out for a very long time, but I felt this very deep connection with him and and it was really surprising to me because we started talking about children and he already has three children so it was the subject was really present for him but that's a big deal yeah (laughs) and is he from France yeah he's born and raised in Paris okay and he already had three children yeah wow and what were their are they all little what are their ages um the two boys they are 13 and 10 years old and a little girl who is four years old Wow. So that's a big deal to, so you, of yeah. course you have to talk about children right away. Yeah. They already exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how did that feel to, to be falling in love with a man that already had three children? It was really scary. Yeah. That's I, huge. I, I, I felt that I, there was this really unresistible, irresistible magnetic pull towards him because I, I was just, I was completely in love, but there was something else. And, and I think I would never be able to find the words for that. And it's not even important. It's just, we, when we know, we know. And so I knew and, and discovering that he was already a father and he had already this big history. It was, it was really hard. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're we're going out and and so occasionally we talk about babies and 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 then one day I discover that I'm pregnant. And yeah, I felt like the carpet was pulled beneath from beneath my feet because I was really not ready, I think. I mean, I thought I wasn't ready. I I became ready when I had to be but yeah I was planning on going on an Erasmus trip to Costa Rica and I was studying art and I was enjoying life and I finally had everything planned out and then this baby decides that okay I'm coming you guys are finally together I'm 
I'm right here and I've been just waiting for you to find each other and I'm here coming. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> yeah. And so then oh, we went for a horrible, horrible appointment with, with a midwife just around the corner. And that really strengthened my desire to not go into this whole weird impersonal system where I'm just a number where I'm not even considered as a human being. How much did you already know about your own birth story with this transfer and how that influenced you? Or was that largely discovered in this, like inspired by this pregnancy? No, in my family, we've, we've talked, I think, like ever since I remember, we've been talking about our births and, and our, we, kept coming back to our mom with my sister and brother to ask about more and more details and and it was always there like it was I, I wouldn't say that it was on the birthdays that we talked about the birth but but it was there they were stories that were really present in our everyday lives so I was I, I knew everything I was asking some details but but I knew I knew mm-hmm. everything so you go for this midwife appointment and you're like, ew, gross. And so yeah. then, then how does the rest of your pregnancy shape up or take form? Well, after that, I started look. I, basically, I had to understand the entire French healthcare system because I had no idea. I haven't even gone to a medical appointment before that. I was living there f- for four years at that point, and I've never, I, I've never went to a doctor, so I didn't even have health insurance. <laughs> and so I had to figure all of that out, and I was trying to understand how home birth works in in France, and it was really interesting because coming from Budapest, like Eastern Europe, we we have this idea all the time that in the West everything is better, and so I was kind of preparing for for that to happen. That yeah, like home birth, it's completely normal here, and I was so shocked to discover that in the country where, like, I I love the work of Michel Audin and, and how he he inspired even the home birth movement in my home country when my mom was pregnant with me it was really shocking for me to discover that France has been like regressing in this area and they've they've just turned their back on on all that could have been and and just decided to go with this horrible horrible way of welcoming babies into the world so I uh, I started contacting doulas who who started educating me about the system and how I should look for like liberal uh, midwives, but they they are still midwives. So it was a good advice, but it was not what I was looking for. And yeah, I just I just started on a journey of trying to find freedom, basically, because I knew that I wasn't I knew that I wasn't sick. I knew that I wasn't a patient. I knew that it was completely unnecessary to do all those tests. I knew that it was like, I felt that it didn't feel good. And still I was allowing myself to be cornered and to be told that, yeah, well, all of these things are, are necessary to like, make sure that everything's okay. And, and uh, when I found my, uh, my midwife that I've worked with for like six months, I think, 
I asked her the first appointment whether I, I had to do all of these exams, the blood test, uh, the ultrasound, all of that. And she was like, yeah, if you want to work with me, you do. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to do them then. And thinking back now, it was, it was all necessary for me to realize that, okay, there is, there are choices that are more free than this. And I, yeah, it took me quite quite a while to understand that by deciding to have a home birth, I'm not free to make my choices. I'm just inviting the system into my home. And well, not deciding to have a home birth, deciding to involve a medical midwife in the system yeah, in exactly. your home birth, right? And I think that's an important distinction because it's not home birth that's the problem. It's actually mm-hmm. not the decision to have a home birth. And you did have a decision to have a home birth freely. It was actually the, you know, temporary choice to involve a medical provider. That's what retracted your freedoms. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm going through it right now with all my knee stuff of like, you know, we're so socialized to compromise and to bow to authority and for people just to tell you how it goes in their practice and like the other, I've been calling around for chiropractors and all like three of the chiropractors here, their receptionists have all said, yes, we'll see you, but you first get a full body x-ray. Mm. <laughs> like, okay, so I'll just decline that. And they're like, oh no, you can't decline. Like, wow. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So huge, huge learning curve, right? Especially yeah. for those of us who, who don't engage in the medical model, it's so easy to, uh, it's just such a fast learning curve to be treated with this allopathic model that is completely inhumane. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have this thing where I, I think of like authority and, and freedom as this ball that's made of light. And I feel like it's something that is connected to my body, but when I'm not conscious of it, then anyone can come and take it. And I feel like in all of these situations, these people are trained to to just come and take it before you can even start thinking. And so that you just feel like you're going on this slope and, and things are just happening to you. And it's really, really hard to just say, just stop and, and just look around what's happening and just understand what's happening because it's it goes so fast. Like it goes so fast. You're sitting there and, and you haven't even noticed, but the midwife has, midwife has booked all the appointments for the coming eight months. And you're just, you're there nodding and, and, and it's just all happening to you and the time is passing and it's just, it's done. I mean, God, it sounds, it sounds so like this is an extension of rape culture. You know, like it sounds, that sounds like it could be so many women's rape stories that I know where it's, it just, before you know it, things are happening and no one's checking in with you and you don't know you can say no. And it just snowballs into a sexual experience that you don't want. And it's just so fast paced, like you said, and like sneaky because it's all predicated on you not having a voice and no one checking in with you. Yeah, like assuming that you, you're okay with everything. Exactly. Okay. So then at what point do you find this midwife that you wind up temporarily choosing? I found her when I was, uh, almost at the end of the first trimester. 
I think. Yeah, I, I, I found her in January and and for a long time I felt like she she was a safe space. Like in this whole COVID nonsense, I felt like our exchanges really gave me something that I needed in that moment. And and then things started changing because of this whole really bizarre thing that happened in the whole world. And, and so, um, she started talking about how, how the midwife attended home birth changes and what it will look like with like all of these new regulations in place. And would you, would you articulate those? Yeah. So she was talking about, um, like that was the first time that she talked about another midwife coming with her. I've never heard about that before, that there would be someone else who would be there, but it was for safety reasons and how they would have to like put on their gloves and whatever in front of the door and like just wrap everything and sterilize whatever. And and then she was talking to us about, this was like the the preparation course with a couple of other couples who are pregnant with her and 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 so she told that she would have to um, give us pitocin after after the birth because of the placenta and how there are no ambulance cars. So it's really important because it can be so dangerous. And and that was like the first point where I was like, whoa, okay, so this is, am I the one making these decisions or is it like her comfort zone? And then I kept going along with it. And then the point where I felt like this cannot go gone anymore was when she she announced that um no I was the one who announced that I want to have the possibility to invite my mother my sister and my doula into this space because I'm sure like all the other women who've been pregnant in in times of COVID we've all felt that this isolation is really against everything that you desire when you're pregnant my deepest desire was to be physically held and hugged and touched and caressed by women. And I wasn't able to do that because we were not able to travel. So, so I really wanted to, to invite them into, into my birth space. And I felt like it was a long journey for me to decide what I want. And when I did, I told her and she was like, Oh no, that's not okay for me. Like, I'm not okay with all that. Maybe your mom can be there. Maybe the door can be open in front of her, but not the others. And I was like, whoa. Okay, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Did she try to like blame the Coovies about it? Or was it always her? Like, Did she try to blame the pandemic that you can't have more people? Um, no, that wasn't about the pandemic. At, at least that's how I understood. But it was more about how... She positioned herself as the energetic like space holder for this that I've never okay. asked her to do. <laughs> and and she told me that um that she wouldn't feel safe if all these people were there. Like she, wow. she met everyone and and uh and she felt threatened by these women. I don't know why. 
Wow. I mean, I mean shy strong of women. So yeah, but still, I mean, shy of like someone being like literally abusive, you yeah. know, uh, man. Okay. And I would even say, I mean, it's beyond just that she positioned herself as the energetic space holder, which in a way you are asking her to, that's why you're bringing in a woman who's experienced in birth, right? Is to, is to anchor you, is to anchor the whole room. But that doesn't then give said anchor the authority to decide all the things, which I guess, honestly, she did tell you in the beginning, right? Like if in so many words, right? Like if you want to work with her, you essentially have to follow her rules. Uh, okay. So yeah, but you know, we never had a conversation about, about energy and about space holding right. and about all that. She, it, it was something that is presented in, in, like all of this was meant to be rooted in science, what was mm-hmm. happening in, in medical these appointments. Yeah, treatment. Yeah. Like blood pressure, how much did you did you gain? Uh, the the size of your belly, like palpating, like all of those stuff, the doctor and and so well, none of that wait, let's be clear. That's not rooted in science. That's science. Yeah, she's air quoting, but people can't see you. <laughs> That's rooted in uh, obstetrics yeah right it's that's rooted in the the medicalization of the female body during pregnancy which is not the same as science I know mm. you know that but I just have to say it <laughs> I just have to say it thank you okay so so <laughs> she's it better so you have a, a a wake up moment when she, so the Pitocin was the first big thing and then she's like know these these women who you're you're aching for actually can't be there because I won't feel mm-hmm. safe and then what happens yeah. and and then I was I felt like okay like I don't know where to go from here I was crying my eyes out I I felt there was it was at the beginning of of uh of the ninth month so I was oh, really wow. close and I've been I've been following Free Birth Society for quite a while and I was like, okay, maybe for my next birth, you know, let's see if I can do this and then maybe for, for the next one I will I will take all the responsibility and go ahead and just birth freely as the wise woman I am and yeah. Later. And- <laughs> later though. Definitely later. <laughs> let's get some proof first. <laughs> but that's why it's so, you know, such a hidden blessing that she was so transparent because so many midwives are sneaky sneaky and you don't realize who they really are and how they practice until it's too late. So at least, I mean, obviously, thank God you. It, well, it's two things. Thank God she showed her true colors early, early-ish, pre-birth. And also thank God you actually listened, you mm. know? Because it's one thing to, in hindsight, I mean, I know so many women who in hindsight are like, oh my God, all the signs were there and I didn't listen. But you actually listened and yeah. got to have the birth of your dreams but like that's that's the amazing thing about pregnancy is that it's the at least for me it was the biggest wake-up call that listening towards what's happening inside like listening to the voice in inside of me that is what what's happening it's gradually through those nine months you have all this possibility to just come back to yourself and so you can go into your birth being able to read all the signs that your body is giving you. And that's how you can 
feel like really feel that everything's okay or you can feel that there's a problem if there's a problem and and it's it's just so beautifully created this whole process because maybe we are meant to like go a little further from ourselves and not be in our bodies all of our lives but as women we get this beautiful possibility to do that and if we can do that that's for me that's how birth becomes safe like if I learn how to listen to my body and my baby and just really feel it in my bones what's happening that's what makes it safe because there is there is an unknown but but we can like look at it from different sides because it's, it's, yeah, it's, we have it all within. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly. And you were willing to harness and craft that. So I, I felt really abandoned. I, uh, I was very angry and I was very scared because I felt I trusted her and I felt like she betrayed me. And so I really had to get it together and um, and I will be eternally grateful to my partner because he is someone who, who has seen that birth works and who has had three beautiful, beautiful children. And so he was the one who told me like a week after disappointment when, when all this, all this happened that let's just do it ourselves. Like we don't need anyone. I believe that, I mean, I'm, I have no doubt that you can do this. And, and yeah, it's just, let's just try to think of, think about that for a second, because, because it is a possibility, like our other choice was not to go to the hospital. We have like all of these other choices and, and, and I, I, I resonated so much with that. I felt like he was able to articulate something that I've been wanting all along and seeing his trust in me was what I needed to really trust myself, I think, which sounds a little like it, it's a shame that I needed someone from the outside. I, and now I wish I would have had that by myself, but I guess as women, we always have to, have some kind of confirmation from outside to well like a lot of a lot of times but i mean we work he like you said though you just said it so beautifully that he was articulating something that was true for you all along and you know i think i think the people that love us and surround that we surround ourselves with like part of why we're social creatures is that validate validation and being being seen and being witnessed and held and and supported and sometimes guided is it's not weakness like again i keep orienting back in your story to that you were willing to have it you know so whether it came through him which is so beautiful since he's the father of your child and your partner or if it came through a good friend or your mother like whoever it was was just reflecting your own truth back to you and you were willing to hear that and not resist it. So I don't see that as weak. It was like, it's beautiful. Isn't that really idyllic partnership that he had total faith Mm -hmm. in you and reflected that to you? And then you were like, yes, I see that too. Let's do this. It is beautiful. 
Yeah, and I'm so excited that this guy is going to be the father of my son forever. And I'm so curious to see what kind of, yeah, what kind of man my son will be because, yeah, we have, we have a lot of work how we educate our sons because I feel like that's, that's our part in, in the problem that we're, we're facing as, as a collective and we cannot just always come back to saying that men are not doing this well or not doing that well because we are bringing those men up we're bringing those men into the world and and I feel like the most valuable gift that I could give my son was that he looked into the eyes of of a warrior and not a victim when when he entered this this life so yeah yeah fast forward my verse story Okay, but I'm just so fascinated by this moment because it is so, oh my God, it is so important because so many women are at this crossroads where they know what their medical provider is saying to them doesn't feel right and they still choose it, but you didn't. So can you articulate that a little bit more? Like you you get the support and 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 trust from your partner, which is so beautiful, and then is it just like a no-brainer? And then do you break up with the midwife? And then you tell the other women who are invited, like flesh out how that all comes together for you in your last month of pregnancy a little bit more and then go into your birth story. Yeah, so what happened was basically I started turning, like I really started closing every channel that was coming from the outside. I I, I deny I didn't want to talk to my midwife. I didn't want to talk to anyone who I knew was not okay with all this. I had my mother and my sister beside me who were really, really there for me and who understood the importance of all this and and they were there for my birth and it was really beautiful to be to be held by these two women and my partner they they were like the three rocks around me that that were the guardians of of my sacred space and and yeah it 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 was about at about this time at the beginning of the ninth month that I I really started going inside and and I I felt that trust like I had I, I did I'm not gonna say I didn't have fears because I did have fears of course but but I also had this feeling that if if it shouldn't be like this, it wouldn't be like this. And I think I never had another moment in my life when I had so much trust in it's going to be how, how it's meant to be, you know, like it's, I never have any guarantees and we never do have guarantees. And, and that's what makes it so beautiful. and terrifying <laughs> yeah. of course okay so yeah go into your into your birth story <sighs> yeah I um it was really hot and I was really heavy and I just had enough and I had a a really really tiring day 
I was like walking uphill and downhill just with this huge belly and it was 40 degrees Celsius outside and it was, yeah, we were in August and, and I, I was like, I, I, I was observing the world around me through this veil already. Like I felt that everything was distant and I wasn't interested in anybody. I wasn't listening to the conversation. I was just, I was just there and not there at the same time. I was and inside, I just, I just kept asking this baby, like, when are you going to come? I cannot wait anymore. Like, I was so excited to get it over, over with and, and to just be there. And, and I was, I was fixating on this a little bit. And so, um, the night when this sensation started a couple hours before I, I, I just felt so much anxiety not being able to like let go and just allow that it's going to happen when it does that. Um, yeah, I just needed to chill out. And so I smoked a joint and I did chill out <laughs> and the birds, like the sensation started a couple hours after and yeah, it's it's really interesting for me because I don't have a lot of memories from from these twenty four hours until until the birth of my son because my eyes were closed almost the entire time. I wasn't speaking. I just I just said a couple of words and no one was really speaking to me. And it was dark. It was it was really hot and from our apartment, I was hearing all these huge thunder sounds that were coming, like approaching us. And and then it started to rain. And yeah, I was just pacing around the apartment. I was in my bed, then I was in the pool, then I was in the shower, then I was sitting on the toilet. I just kept moving. And yeah, I, I was... I was in a lot of pain and it was very surprising that I, I kept looking for signs to evaluate how far, how far along am I. And, and I, I couldn't remember anything. Like it was so weird that I, I was physically unable to access the part of my brain in which I had all this information and, and I just had no idea. Totally. <laughs> when did when did your whole crew show up? Like obviously I'm assuming it started with just you and your partner. And then when does the rest of your people come? So yeah, it's at um eleven PM. It's just me and my partner. The boys are in their room asleep. They said they didn't want to be there for the birth. So throughout the night I felt a little bit um like I was a little concerned that they're still at home and I didn't want to scare them. And I, I didn't know when they left. I, uh, but I felt like I felt it that something has changed and, and I felt like this big liberation and, um, and that's how, when things started happening more, they, they left like around six or seven in the morning. My, uh, my mom and sister, they got there. And then my mom dropped them off with, um, with, uh, with family. And so they were, they were there around, yeah, I think around six. I, to be honest, I have no idea because 
I keep reading these birth stories and hearing them where women are saying, okay, so at 2.42, this happened. And then at 3.35, this happened. And I just have no idea what happened at what time because I, I didn't have any sense of, of time. I was completely lost. And so what I do know is that there was, there was a shift around 2, 3 p.m., and at that point, I started feeling like my body was pushing and something definitely changed. And um, and yeah, so at that point, I was like, okay, so it, I must be close if I'm having this urge. And, and my body was just kind of doing its thing and I was trying to accompany the sensations, but it was really, really, like it was really hard to to surrender and and at one point, um, my doula showed up who was trying to help me to, to breathe basic, basically, because I was, I felt like I was consumed by these pushes. And I think that she, she, um, yeah, she told me that, she, that she saw the baby, how the baby was just coming back up and then coming down and just kind of doing like a yo-yo movement. And, um, and yeah, I, I was trying to surrender, but it was so hard. And and uh, and that kept going for hours. And at one point I was in the shower and, and I had this, like I kept repeating to my, I had this idea that, that I cannot do this anymore. And I kept repeating to my partner, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I can't do this anymore. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he was like, okay, Elisa, so what do you want to do? Do you want to want to go to the hospital? Do you want to, do you want to stay here? Like I have to find a solution for this. And, and that gave me some, some more strength. I think the, the feeling that like I cannot, I cannot get dressed now. I cannot get into the mm-hmm. car. I, <laughs> like a reality check. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so interesting though, that you were chanting, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That's an interesting mantra. Yeah. And then yeah, when because- he kind of was like, what do you want to do? Did it shake you out of it? It, it showed me what I wanted, I think. It reminded me of what I really wanted and, and just kind of pulled me out of this um, this part of my brain where I really believed that I, I couldn't do this anymore. The reason I kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, was because I, I was certain that we're both going to die. I was certain that me and my baby were going to die. And I just, at that point, I wasn't ready to accept it yet. And and a couple of hours later, I there was this point where I really felt like, okay, you know what? If we're gonna die, then then I'm okay with that. And yeah, that was like the lowest lowest point of of this whole wave. Wow! And everyone just totally held that space for you. Yeah, I was completely alone when this happened. There was there was. I think this was the only moment when I was completely alone and my partner, she le- he left the room because he was so overwhelmed and, and he was, he was crying because he, he was, it was really hard for him to see me suffer, I think. And, and so he needed a moment and, and I also needed that moment. And in that moment I was, 
finally ready to just like completely let go of everything that I believed, everything I wanted to control, everything I I thought I knew how I how it should be and yeah. I jumped. And the emergence was was I'm not sure how long after it was, but it wasn't long after. So I was in, in, in my bedroom at this point and um and my sister came in and she helped me stand, to stand up. And I think at this point, I, I even fell asleep a little bit. And so she came in and, and we stood up and we started like dancing, moving a little bit. And and then I knelt down on the bed. And that's where things, like that's where the story picks up again for me is that I reached down and, and I felt some hair inside. And I was like, I asked my sister to to look at what it is and and when she told me that she saw the head every like I opened my eyes in that moment and I was so present and and there there was my sister on my right side my mother on my left side and my partner in front of me and and there was a mirror behind him and I I watched the entire thing happen in that mirror and I saw myself how I was coming up from my knees and how my baby was emerging from my body. And it was just mm. <sighs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> how long so did all of that take to get to that point? You mean from, from, uh, from the beginning? Yeah. Like how long was your labor? From the first sensation, it was exactly 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But then the part where I felt his head and the part where he just dropped down on our mattress, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, I think that was like 15 minutes tops. I love the idea or how it feels to imagine your, your women all around you. And just mm. like, like you said, these rocks holding it down. Did your partner's energy shift with you when yours shifted too? I'm not sure. Meaning like how he was upset and and struggling when you were struggling. And then when you were actually pushing, did he feel more grounded and like back in the game with you? I felt him more as, as, um, it's interesting because energetically it felt more like he was outside the circle. Like I felt like I was in the circle with, with my mother and my sister and he was kind of just, he was there, but he was a little further away, Mm -hmm. like observing and just being really alert, but in the same time, just leaving us do our thing because I think, I think he was, um, yeah, I think it, it shocked him the, I mean, I'm sure it shocked him, but, but it shocked him in a way that he was like, I have this, I have this feeling about him that he was just standing in front of me in awe of, of what I'm doing and just kind of holding space for that, but not trying to like stay, staying a little further away. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I, I imagine it. 
mm-hmm. like letting letting the women do the work mm-hmm. and yeah it was really beautiful and so, so yeah my son yeah. arrived <laughs> hmm. and he falls onto the mattress yeah he falls onto the mattress all slippery and all clean and beautiful and and um and when he he fell down i picked him up and and um and he wasn't breathing at first and he was making like these little squeaky noises and and so i i suctioned his nose and his mouth with with my mouth because i felt like it needed to like i needed to do that and and so then he laid on top of me and and he he needed a, a little moment to to arrive completely and um and then he opened his eyes and he let out the most beautiful cry i've ever heard and <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on his little journey to find the boob and yeah it was it was amazing it was amazing. And then we discovered that he was a boy because we didn't know. And then the placenta took a little while to arrive. I think it was in the hour after after um, my baby that it came. I was a little concerned about that, to be honest. I was. In, in what way? Like I was really... Um, I had maybe 15, 20 minutes where I was just emerged in this beautiful no time space with my son and my partner and we were just kind of falling in love with each other and and I completely forgot about everything and then and then I suddenly I just sat up and I asked my sister to bring a bowl because the placenta needed to come and it didn't come straight away but I like I felt like okay now I need to really pay attention because mm-hmm because this is important and we cannot forget about this and like it's not over yet that's what I felt Mm -hmm. and that I don't I don't feel completely good yet because I need to know that everything's everything's good you know and then how did all that go and then I I squatted over the ball and then it didn't come at first and then I think I ate and then I tried again and it just, it just came out real quick. And since we were already in our bed, we stayed in our beds with, <laughs> with the baby attached to his placenta. And, uh, so yeah. tell me, tell me a little bit in, in wrap up how, how this goes on to shape you as a woman and how you're, postpartum goes and just anything anything to 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 articulate around kind of who you are today now with this rewriting of your of your lineage really Mm. well it completely changed everything of course as it always does for everyone I think like no woman is left on not transformed by this and so I felt this really deep and really simple and really obvious calling that this, like I have work to do with this. 
because of my story, I have come to close this circle and I, I have come to the end of this cycle, which is beautiful because my mother gave birth to me when she was 25 years old and I gave birth to my son when he when I was 25 years old. So it really felt in every way that this is the end of this cycle. And so I'm really... I'm really, really inspired because this next cycle is going to be fucking amazing. Like I, I feel the, the amount of things I have to do around this. And mm. yeah. did your temporary midwife ever find out or did you ever talk to her again? Yeah, I did. I needed a lot of time to call her. Mm-hmm. because she 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 kept texting me afterwards to to make sure everything was good and yeah we had a conversation I was honest she didn't like that and yeah I'm really thankful for her to her you know because if she doesn't if if she doesn't put me in this really uncomfortable place I don't mm-hmm. come to my senses and I don't choose this amazing feeling instead of victimhood and I'm really grateful yes yes and I guess the other option is she could have just been an amazing midwife who actually served women (laughs) and then you wouldn't have had to go through this whole journey you know like and and both would have been great right like obviously you're in the radical birth keeper school this round and and you know I'm sure you like all of our students and, and myself you know all aim to be the women that we didn't have, right? So the Mm. other option, like, of course, this is how it played out. And so, you know, of course, you're grateful for for the gifts in it, of course. And wouldn't it be wonderful if women who were getting pregnant, who wanted to be guided and loved and actually had authentic midwives could just find them and not have to go on this whole intense journey in their ninth month of pregnancy and then choose free birth and all of its intensity too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but, but I think that's, that's for me, that is the beautiful thing about this. Like, I'm really glad that she is a midwife like she is because I'm, I'm sure that I'm not the first and the last woman. Mm-hmm. Like I know another woman that was, um, that was her patient, air quote who also went on to have a free birth. So mm-hmm. in a way, she's also doing the work just from <laughs> the opposite. And so that gives me a lot of space to do the work that is mm-hmm. the good work. Mm-hmm. And, totally. and I am ready to do that work. And I'm, I'm like, I'm so ready to take this responsibility and just to step into my power and just be there for the women that, that want this because because it's like I, there are no questions in my mind that that this is this is the way that I'm supposed to be on you know oh yeah and yeah so so my my postpartum it just like ever if you have a, a birth experience like this I don't know the numbers but I'm pretty sure that you that the difficulties that can arise in your postpartum, they are like so minimized that yeah. it's just, yeah. It's, it's clear that, that it's meant to like, if, if you 
choose to take the responsibility, you get the gifts that come with that. Mm-hmm. Like you give something and life gives something back to you. And, and it's, yeah, it's really beautiful how, how the energy like flows and totally it goes and it comes, it goes and it comes and yeah, let's see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so proud of you. Do you have anything else you want to say before we close? Hmm. No, I said everything. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's a great story and one that women need to hear, you know, that even in your ninth month, you don't have to just roll over and surrender to things that don't feel good. You know, there's always a choice. There really, really is. And ah, oh, like you said, so many gifts come when you when you choose yourself, because when you choose yourself, you do choose your baby and the universe is friendly. You know, the universe is here for us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you inviting me and giving me the space to share this story. Okay, women, thank you, thank you for joining me through season four. And we will be back in September with an amazing fifth Free Birth Society season. Thank you for supporting this movement and for being a part of the revolution that this beautiful earth needs. Keep in touch by joining our list at freebirthsociety.com and checking out everything that is current at freebirthsociety.com and freebirthsocietycourses.com. Join the membership at freebirthsocietymembership.com and be among the badass, brilliant, critically thinking, courageous, inspiring women that we have. And if you are feeling spontaneous, grab a ticket to Matriarch Rising Festival and come hug me in person. Again, that's matriarchrisingfestival.com. Okay, my sisters, remember the revolution starts with each of us doing our own work, rising in sisterhood together. Till next time, lots of love.